Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello, everybody. We are so excited that you are joining us once again this week, and we're super thrilled to welcome back to the show Coot Blackson. He's a beloved inspirational speaker, transformational teacher, and coach to people of all walks of life. He's most famous for his intensive transformation experiences. He's the youngest member to have been voted into the Transformational Leadership Council, a select group of 100 of the world's foremost authorities in the personal development industry. He's also the winner of the 2019 Unity New Thought Walden Award. And today he's with us on the show to talk about his book, The Magic of Surrender, which is now in paperback, and several of his other works in an upcoming live event. So we've got a lot in store for you. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me back. We are so thrilled to have you. You know, we've got a lot going on in the world right now, and I feel like your work is so inspirational and upbeat and keeps people filled with hope. And I'm just wondering how you're doing that in your life right now, maintaining that sense of hope and harmony and, and positivity. You know, I think it's a, a couple of things. I mean, there's my personal practice of meditating and staying connected to sort of that deeper dimension of my own inner peace. Um, but also for me, it's, it's a perspective. Um, the way I see the world is a specific way or a certain way. Um, I, I believe that we are all souls and as souls, we incarnate into the human experience to learn, to grow, to evolve, that life is a school. Life is a university. Life is the university for our soul's evolution. Every situation, every experience, every relationship, everything we go through is really part of that curriculum. And so for me, I see life as a school, as an evolutionary opportunity. And so regardless of what is going on in the world uh, on an external level, regardless of what's happening in my life, uh, relationships, et cetera, et cetera, um, I'm always looking to focus on how can I grow? What is the lesson? Why did I attract this situation? What is the opportunity for me to see? What is this situation or this person mirror to me about myself? And you know, what, what, what is the lesson that my soul is seeking to learn? And I think for us all, when we focus on the lesson, when we focus on that opportunity, uh, I think that, that at least for me, it's, it helps to shift uh, my viewpoint, my perspective, and no matter what, uh, extract as much blessing and um, learning from, from the situation. So that, that's really helped me. The other thing too, is when I look at the world, and again, these, these are things in terms of perspectives, not just, let's say, a practice or a technique, but, you know, I think this world that we live in is, is shall we say, a 3D experience. It's, it's, it's impermanent. It is, uh, it's the realm of duality. It's the realm of interdependent polaric opposites that are, that are the nature of life. It's just the way it is. And so, you know, the more I've understood that over, over the years, uh, over time, the less I uh, expect or have expected the world to be a certain way the less I look for the world to be a certain way. The world is what it is. It's not meant to be a sort, sort of like perfect utopia. Interdependent polaric opposites is the nature of this, this dimension, this 3D domain. So plus, minus, up, down, yin, yang, black, white, good, bad, positive, negative, rich, poor, you know, tall, short. It's duality. This is the realm of duality. And so... Uh, I think for me, the more I've been able to accept that, the nature of the physics of this is the Tao, the more I've been able to accept that and not expect perfection in this realm, not look for perfection or some utopia in this dimension, knowing that there's no perfection at this level, there's no perfection at the level of the personality. I think the true um, source of perfection is really within us all at that the dimension of our own consciousness, our own being. And so uh, I, I think that understanding for me uh, has enabled me to shift my relationship with the world to come into more of a space of surrender, more of a place of acceptance of the way that this dimension is, the Tao of things, you know, 
uh, and also understand that, look, I think the more I've understood the Tao of things, that doesn't mean you can't, I, I, I can't make a difference and I can't show up and I can't protest and I can't take a stand. But I think the relationship with the world for me has shifted to hold it more lightly, to hold it more spaciously. And as I've understood that, you know, I look at, and again, if there were no, this might sound a little strange, but if there were no, um, shall we say, sick people, not that I want there to be sick people, but if there were no sick people, there would be no Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa and those that perhaps are sick are an independent polaric uh, combination. And so uh, the embrace of the way of life, the embrace of the nature of this dimension, that has given me a lot of peace and and, and more of an ability to then be in the world and go into the world and uh, from a place of more neutrality, from a place of more peace, from a place of more just understanding. And I think the more I'm able to be calm in that sense and the less resistance there is to the way things are, the more I'm actually able to affect change from a place of uh, clarity. Mm, well said. That resistance is everything. Got to drop that. But it yep. also, it, when you get to that place of surrender, it allows you to step more fully into a place of empathy and compassion as well. Mm -hmm. I, my own personal belief. But recently someone sent me a note and on a previous episode, I had mentioned that I think we choose certain lessons to help with our own personal evolution. And the person had had some very horrific situations in their life and said, why would you ever say that? Why would you ever say that I chose this? What, what is your viewpoint on that, Coot, as far as do we choose certain lessons or experiences or as a, yeah. a soul evolving? I, I would say, I, I think that, you know, as souls, we incarnate in order to learn to grow, to evolve. And we incarnate in order to, to evolve. And, and every situation is part of our soul's curriculum. Like you go to university and you you study, you know, business administration, you study applied mathematics and, 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 and quantum physics. And so we all have our own unique lessons, I think, in this lifetime in terms of what we're seeking to evolve through and grow through. So, you know, in a certain sense, let's say the soul has chosen, you know, the soul chooses to learn certain things. And how do we learn certain things? We learn certain things through certain experiences. And so depending, I think, depending on what we are seeking to understand in this dimension and learn in this dimension, um, on that level, the soul makes a choice to learn in specific ways. And so that doesn't mean we can't be empathetic. That doesn't mean we can't be kind and understanding. That doesn't mean what someone does to us is right. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't take them to court. It doesn't mean there shouldn't be consequences, you know, uh, on, on that sort of human level. Yet underneath, I think the more we're able to recognize that we are souls, first and foremost, having a human experience and this human experience is part of the, the classroom through which we get to learn to go and evolve, then I think there is a fundamental power in, in realizing that if you're going through something, no matter how difficult, no matter how challenging, on some deep soul level, not that it's right or that it's wrong, but on a deep soul level, your soul chose to have this experience, your soul chose to go through this experience, and your soul chose to learn. I think when we, when we forget that, which we often do as human beings, it's easy to go into, let's say, victimhood, and this happened to me, and that happened to me, and that wronged me, and this person wronged me, and we get caught up on the, on the level of stuff, on the level of the story. Um, but there is, I think, something really powerful to be said to recognize that we are souls. Uh, if we're going through something, our souls, our souls, maybe not our personalities, but our souls chose to have that experience to learn. Then we can shift our focus from what happened and what didn't happen and why this and why that. And then we can shift our experience to what is the lesson? What is the lesson for why my soul is seeking to go through this experience? Why is the lesson for why my soul went through this abuse? Why is the lesson my soul went through this abandonment? What is the lesson that my soul is seeking to learn by going through this particular relationship, this particular heartbreak? And I think when we can really focus on that, we can empower ourselves, we can reclaim our power, and we can learn the lesson 
and we can grow and evolve. And I think when we truly learn the lesson where we are at, as we're going through something with who we're with, then we unlock the, the, that's the key to unlock the lock to the next level of relationship, the next level of experience, because that's when we start to graduate. And I think that's, there is a power to be said, and that, but that doesn't mean we can't be compassionate and understanding and empathetic because, you know, certain experiences in this dimension, at least from the level of the mind, from the level of the personality, just are not right, aren't fair, at least don't seem fair. If we look at it from, from the lens of our minds, they're just not okay, you know, from that level. And so I think there has to be a level of compassion for what we all go through as human beings, because certain experiences, many experiences that we go through as human beings uh, are challenging, are difficult, and it takes a, you know, a tremendous amount of courage to, uh, I would say, incarnate into this human experience and have this human experience, because when we incarnate into this human experience, we incarnate into a realm of duality, we incarnate into the realm of, shall we say, limitation. And I think part of that limitation, the friction of experience, you know, I think it would be a lot easier for us as souls to remain in whatever dimension we would remain in, dimension of perfection and infinite bliss and cosmic consciousness. It's beyond duality. It would be much easier to sort of hang out in that eternal bliss. But on some level, we chose to incarnate here in order to play this game in this shall we say, movie in this simulation called life, I think in order to, to evolve and in order to reawaken and remember in this game of life, remember who and what we really are, which is divine, which is infinite, which is whole, which is perfect, which is complete. And so, you know, I think some, the only way we can learn certain lessons are we have to go through certain experiences. And, and so we, we can truly take our power back when we when we, uh, when we take that soul ownership, like, okay, this situation is challenging. It's not right. It's difficult. It's not fair. But my soul chose to go through this. And if that's the case, let me learn the lesson so I can go through it and have another experience. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay. Let's say that your soul is like super brave and confident and signed up for all these hard lessons. <laughs> and then you get here and your personality is like oh hell no can you change it can you change what specifically can you change uh well okay. any aspect of what your soul set out to accomplish learn in order to grow itself i think we don't always have control over what we learn i think we have control over the way we learn and how we learn, the degree to which we learn. And I think what we have control over is learning the lesson. And I would say when we learn the lesson, then we move, then we grow, then we evolve into a different classroom, into a different experience, you know? And so, uh, you know, I think when we can really, to me, part of the surrender is, is because certain situations are so difficult. And so when we realize that, okay, I'm a soul, and I think when we remember what the game really is, the game here is evolution. The game, you know, your soul doesn't really care about convenience or comfort. I think our souls really care about growth and evolution and our souls have its own agenda. And so the more, I would say, the more we remember we're a soul, the more we can surrender to that and shall we say align our personality with our soul, align our personality with the deeper understanding that I'm a soul and I'm here to learn to go and evolve and surrender to learning those lessons rather than resisting. You know, I think the resistance happens when we go through something, we forget that we're a soul or even we know that we're a soul, but then we're still resisting, like we, re we resist the lessons. It's that resistance that causes suffering, that the sense of, you know, the experience that I'm having is not the experience that I should be having. I should be having some other experience right now. When the fact is, right or wrong, we are having the experience that we're having right now, whether we like it or not. And so how do we change it? The more we're able to bring ourselves into relationship with what is and embrace that this is happening, embrace that I'm a soul, embrace that, you know what? For some reason I'm going through it and let me focus on the learning and the lessons so that I can go through it. Then I think, and, and as we graduate, then <clears throat> we 
change the classroom. Then we graduate to the next level from grade 11 to grade 12 to university. And I think that's that's how we change. When we, when we resist, this shouldn't be happening. I shouldn't be going through this. And we stay focused on the story and being a victim. And this person did this and maybe did me wrong. My parents did this. All of which may be true, by the way. All of which may be valid. All of which may be correct on a certain level. But when we just stay focused on that and we, we stay stuck and we don't learn the lesson, the way we stay stuck and we don't change it in the way that you're asking, we'll just keep repeating the lessons over and over and over again, staying in a kind of, let's say, spiritual, soul, evolutionary groundhog state. So I think the quickest way to change our experience is to learn the lesson within. Learn okay. the lesson. And I think when we understand that we're souls, I think, yes, there are certain lessons that we have to learn in a lifetime. And I think when we can shift our relationship out of resistance some of those lessons never go away you know some of those lessons like for me one of my lessons i think in my lifetime is learning patience <laughs> you know and and it never ceases to amaze me how that that lesson in whether it's in relationship whether it's in my business whether it's in my career whether it's it's like it never ceases to amaze me how that curriculum threads its way through my entire life. And so for me, rather than resisting that and saying, no, I don't want to learn this lesson, I'm done with this and resisting, I've kind of embraced like in, in this lifetime, patience, I mean, there's other things, but patience is one of the lessons that my soul is seeking to learn. Patience is one of the lessons that I'm here to really learn and master and grow through and evolve through. And so rather than wanting it to be over, wanting to move through that, I've embraced that this is a part of the, the journey in this lifetime, which for me then has, has moved me out of resistance into embracing that lesson as a part of my lifetime curriculum, you know, in, in everything I go through. Okay, that leads me to a two-part question. Okay. I think the hardest part of what you just said mm. is identifying what the lesson is. For example, I had a client who emailed me and said that she realized that everyone in her life had kind of left her. Her parents abandoned her, relationships, friends, jobs have all abandoned her. And she said, I think the lesson is I just need to learn to be alone. Mm -hmm. Now, I kind of disagreed. I felt that the lesson was different. Do you have any tips for how can someone identify <clears throat> what is the lesson the universe is trying to teach me? Um, yeah, I think, I think it's the, firstly, I think it's the willingness to be truly honest with yourself. You know, uh, sometimes we're not really willing to be really honest with ourselves, but, but obviously if we keep repeating a certain dynamic and a certain experience that, that also gives us a kind of clue. I think what we can do is just have the willingness to sit with ourselves and investigate and really just innocently, genuinely ask ourselves, you know, journal about it, write about it, explore it, you know, get guidance and counseling about it to see what is the lesson? What is my soul seeking to learn in this situation of, of uh, you said abandoned, being abandoned, yes? Constantly yes. being abandoned. And so, yeah, what, what, what is that? Is it, is it to be alone, you know, or is this, is this some reflection here? I think we have to sort of go at it from different angles is there something i need to see about myself is there is, is there something i need to see about the way i'm abandoning myself that this is mirroring to me and so what are the situations mirrored to me about myself what do the situations show me about myself what does this experience show me that i need to embrace i need to make peace with i need to integrate within myself and i think as we look at it from those different angles of like what is the lesson what is this mirroring to me? What is this showing me? What is this giving me the opportunity to let go of? What is this giving me the opportunity to learn? What is this situation, this person giving me the opportunity to embrace? Uh, I think I think then we can start massaging into the lesson, you know? And so yeah. the abandonment could be, you know, like for instance, maybe if someone incarnates uh, and they are here to learn uh, independent, here to learn how to be independent, as an example, truly find their own independence, you know, like, huh, you know, like, wow, maybe they would incarnate, I don't know, in an orphanage or, you know, and, and so I think there's an exploration that we can really reflect on and looking at, like, just take a look at all of the experiences in your life, all the things that have happened to you and start seeing if there's a theme, 
I think many times we can start seeing like, wow, oh, maybe there's a theme, abandonment, abandonment. But the, so, so, so if we start putting those themes together, then we can just step back out of the mind and not try to figure it out. Because I think sometimes <clears throat> there's what we think the lesson should be and there's what the lesson really is. And I think when we can reflect on the lesson with innocence, the lesson can often also just kind of reveal itself to us in a gentle way, like, oh, here, here's what I'm seeking to learn. You know? and, and I think we know that we've learned the lesson because things start shifting. You know, so yeah, it's the, the pattern stops. Yeah, the pattern stops. The pattern stops. Pe people shift out of our life that reflect that dynamic. Or we just, <clears throat> we start seeing situations differently so that we can avoid that experience. Or it's kind of like losing your taste for an experience. You just begin losing your taste for that type of situation. And then you, instead of take, taking a right turn, you take a left turn. It's like, nope, not going down this road as you've learned the lesson. And so this is, this is one of the ways. But I think just sitting innocently and being with it and allowing yourself to receive it can also be a way to tune into the lesson. Okay, so the second part of my question, one of my life lessons is patience, just like you. And yeah, I Love learn it. it in different ways all the time. But sometimes I feel like it's one of my strengths that I'm impatient because yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. pushes me, it propels me, it gets, I'm very yeah. action oriented. I go, I get stuff done. Yes, me too. I, I know we're, we're <laughs> in the same family. <laughs> so do you feel that sometimes our lessons can be our greatest strengths as well? Yes, I think, I think those lessons can be our gifts at the same time, but it's also, um, it's also your relationship with it. You know, I think that's what's important. Your relationship with the lesson, your relationship with yourself. And so it's not necessarily about, um, like for me, when I realized, you know, I need to really learn how to be patient and the Dalai Lama's patient. And I think Mother Teresa's patient and these great ones are patient. So I gotta be more patient, but hurry up and let me master patience now. <laughs> I realized that that in a quest to be more patient, I was impatiently pushing myself to be patient, which was just making me more impatient with my own process, which was keeping me stuck. And, and so um, the relationship with the pattern is as important as the pattern itself. And so it's not just about like eradicating impatience because there is a gift inside of being impatient if if in right relationship, that, that gift and impatience is an initiative, it's a directive force, it's a getting shit done energy, it's the ability to make things happen. Like I always tell, tell people, if you want something done, give it to me, I'll get it done now, I'll get it done like, to, like fast. And so I think when we can have a healthy relationship with understanding ourselves, understanding our patterns, understanding our roles, understanding our limitations, understanding the lessons, then that helps us move into a healthy relationship to be able to not throw the baby out with the bathwater, but also extract the gift from that pattern, extract the gift from that, that so-called limitation at the same time so that we can harness it in a healthy way. That impatience can become sort of a, a driving force and an initiative stubbornness for instance you know for me this was something i had to work with uh, at, a, at a young age that stubbornness you're so stubborn and so when i started recognizing that, that wow the stubbornness can get in my way the stubbornness can affect relationships the stubbornness can keep me stuck but it wasn't about getting rid of that it was just about integrating that energy embracing that energy changing my relationship to it softening a little bit you know, loving myself through that, bringing empathy, right, to myself and that part of me that was stubborn, so that that stubbornness could 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 also, let's say, come into a healthier uh, expression as determination, as determined. So on the flip side, it's like, wow, that energy, the same energy on the flip side, stubbornness was determination. And so for me, it's it, it's about having a healthy relationship with with those aspects of ourselves, the parts of ourselves, as we understand the lesson can, can also really help. So patience, impatience is not good or bad. It's just how we relate with it within ourselves that I think is the key. Making peace with the duality within. Yes, yes. Yeah. Because look, sometimes it's, it's great to be impatient, you know? Otherwise you sit there 
you know, you, you can sit, sit somewhere for two years waiting for something to happen, but, you know, taking that impatient energy and, and in the right moment, in the right moment, in alignment with your heart, connected to your soul, channeling that driving force to make things happen and knowing when to act and when not to act. Because if that impatience is acting out, let's say, and we're being run by it, then the moment to, to be still, the moment to meditate, the moment to trust, the moment to sit and wait, we're just trying to like run around being impatient, forcing things to happen. That's just, that's going against the nature, going against the flow. But then there comes a moment to act and that's a moment where we can take that energy and act in alignment. That leads beautifully into because I am embarrassingly stubborn and independent. And I, <laughs> I, and I switched that a couple of years ago. I said, you know what? It's perseverance. And it, it goes back to what you were just saying about as far as there's a, a duality with a pro and a con to it. The perseverance got me through situations I never would have made it through yes. if I hadn't been so stubborn. Yes. But a big part of your work focuses on releasing the past. And I feel like the energy right now globally and individually is really encouraging all of us to do that, to release what may be holding us stuck or held back or preventing us from fully stepping into our power and our light. So do you have some keys or some cues that might help folks to release the old loop tapes or the old things that may have been seeded at a younger age? You know, I think first we also have to be uh, aware of these aspects of ourselves. I think many times we're not even conscious. We think that who we are is who we are. We think that what we are is what we are. And so, you know, in terms of we, we just get conditioned and we live inside of that conditioning. And so we don't even sometimes know that there are aspects of ourselves and dimensions of ourselves and stories that we're holding that need to be let go of. And so I think part of the first step is just the acknowledgement, understanding, and awareness of the fact that we are conditioned. And the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we don't have freedom. And so uh, just to paint a bit of a, a scenario for folks, you know, as, as children, you know, we're born into this existence. You know, we're in touch with our infinite nature. We're in touch with that unconditioned essence of the divine shining through our eyes. We're, we're free, we're alive, we're vibrant, we're in touch with innocence, we're radiant. We are a spark of that divine. A you know, child will jump on the table and doesn't have so much static or stories in our minds. We jump on the table naked. We don't think, ah, oh, what do people think of me? We're not so self-conscious. We'll jump on the table and sing. We don't care if we don't sound like Bruno Mars or Celine Dion. We just go, right? Until someone says, ah, you can't sing. And then we start contracting. And so what happens? You know, what happened to this light, free-flowing, energized brightness that we were? We're born into an environment. We're born into a certain framework, a preset framework of stories and patterns and conditionings, often uh, from the past, based on our ancestors, based on our parents and our parents, they were doing the best that they could do based on their childhood and their upbringing. And, and so we're born into a certain framework of a level of dysfunction, a level of conditioning. Uh, maybe dad was an alcoholic or mom, you know, mom and dad were fighting all the time. There was mental illness. They were screaming. There was, you know, turmoil, dysfunction. And so as children, a couple of things happened. The first thing is we started to learn uh, as a survival mechanism, really, a certain way of shutting down, disconnecting and not feeling in order to survive and deal with the pain. We shut down parts of ourselves. We started to suppress parts of ourselves. We started to not feel certain things so that we didn't have to feel the craziness or the intensity of what was going on around us. Or maybe it was just that mom and dad weren't, didn't know how to express emotion or meet our emotional needs. And so we start to shut down parts of ourselves and erect defense mechanisms and build all sorts of walls in order to just function, survive and cope which is often unconscious and we suppress feelings, we suppress emotions, we suppress, we suppress, we suppress, it builds up and we start losing touch with our true essence, our authentic nature. And then we learn a way of being to go into the world and we go into the world and we kind of look around, like who do I need to be in order to be loved by dad, by mom? Okay, boys don't cry, girls don't act this way. And so before you know it, we start to contort ourselves into a certain shape, a certain way of being in order to avoid pain, 
but also, uh, shall we say, uh, get love and validation and approval and, and fit in. And so avoid pain, get love, validation, approval. We control ourselves into this pattern, this persona. We develop roles and masks and a certain identity. And we think that version of ourselves that we have become is who we really are. For me, as a young boy, I thought I needed to be the perfect son. You know, my father was a minister. He built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa. There were hundreds of thousands of followers. There was a lot of responsibility at a very young age put on my shoulders. At 14, I was ordained as a minister. And so I thought I needed to be this perfect kid, this perfect son, this responsible, over-responsible one, overachiever, taking care of everyone. And so there was so much I held in. There was so much I suppressed. There was so much I didn't emotion that I didn't allow myself to feel in order to keep face, in order to make everyone happy, in order to keep everyone you know uh feeling good in order to, to to sort of take care of everyone else but my own needs my own self and so i didn't even know what i was doing we don't even know many times what we're doing in the moment it often is unconscious and so we carry all and then we go into our adulthood carrying all this this kind of way of being these suppressed emotions into our adulthood <clears throat> and so these defense mechanisms that helped us function and survive as children then to a degree, we learn how to relate this way. We learn how to be kind of successful doing, doing these patterns, but it usually reaches a point in our lives where these survival mechanisms end up limiting us. And so I think when we hit that point is where we have to be really honest with ourselves, where we have to have the courage to, to acknowledge our pain. And I think first, we have to acknowledge that we're conditioned and the degree to which we're conditioned, the degree to, we, to which we're not free, the degree to which we're not able to have access to all of ourselves. But then we have to be willing to consciously feel, to embrace and feel the feelings that we have learned to suppress, that we've learned to deny, that we've learned to avoid, that we've learned to disconnect from because we've disconnected from parts of ourselves. And so I think that's part of the healing is the willingness to feel, the willingness to reintegrate those parts of ourselves by feeling the feelings of what we suppress then we get more access to to more of who we are and that's also how we let go you know to me part of letting go is kind of as a side note i think part of letting go is feeling you can't truly let go without feeling part of surrender is also one of the things that to truly surrender one of the things that we must be willing to do is embrace grief embrace grieving to truly surrender authentically, we have to be willing to embrace the process of grieving, which is feeling. Surrender is a death. Surrender is a letting go. There comes a point where the next level of your life requires the next level of you, which requires that you let go of certain aspects, certain identities, certain addictions, certain ways of being, certain ways of behaving. And so, you know, there's the, surrender is a death in that sense, a death of the idea of who we thought we were. As we age, there's also a level of, wow, moving into a new phase of my life. I'm not 20 anymore, letting go of dreams I had when I was 15 and 20 and 30. As we start maturing and connecting with a deeper dimension of our authentic truth. And so the process of grieving, to truly let go, the process of feeling, to truly let go is necessary. Yet as I think as human beings from childhood, we are conditioned to not feel. Survival mechanisms, we're conditioned to not feel. You switch on the television, you see a commercial, you feel sad, oh, don't worry, take this pill. So there's a kind of a conditioning to not feel our feelings. And so as human beings, letting go, truly letting go requires feeling, but we tend not to feel because we're afraid that if I feel fully, that I won't survive. If I feel fully, I won't be able to cope. If I feel these feelings that I've been suppressing my entire life, I won't be able to handle it. it. It will never end. And I think what we have to realize is no feelings last forever. All feelings that we feel fully with, with awareness, with consciousness, with presence will dissolve. Sometimes not at once, but perhaps in layers, because all feelings have layers upon layers and grief happens in stages. And so one of the reasons sometimes I see in the spiritual field that we don't 
uh, allow ourselves to feel is we end up doing a spiritual bypass in an effort to stay positive, to stay in what we think is a high vibration that we don't realize we, we're not willing to honor the feelings. And so uh, one thing that will help people is I would just say, take the label off of the feeling. Good, bad. To me, feelings aren't good or bad, not positive or negative. They just are. Feelings are just energy. Feelings are just feedback that there's something inside that needs to be released, something inside we're not honoring, some part of ourselves we've been betraying, something we need to listen to, something we haven't dealt with. And so feelings are feedback, feelings are energy, feelings are a gift. And so if we're able to just take the label off of the feeling, not sad, not shame, not good, not bad, but just feel the feeling because underneath the feeling is energy, is sensation. And when we can feel the feeling, the sensation of the feeling, without label and, and allow ourselves to just experience that sensation through our body and be with it fully with awareness without trying to get rid of it, without trying to change it, but just to be with it fully in relationship with it. What I have found that that feeling naturally has its own cycle and begins to, to dissolve. And that's how we begin to let go. And that's how we begin to peel a layer away. And then there's more space. And maybe there's another layer. And then there's more space. And then maybe there's another layer of feeling. And there's more space. And as there's more space, the degree to which we suppress the, let's say, in this example, the grief, the degree to which we also suppress our joy. And the more we embrace one is the more we embrace the other. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, we need to, I need to journal and feel about that. That's intense. Okay, so there's this scene in uh, Game of Thrones that that has always stayed with me when uh, Peter Dinklage is talking to this bastard son of the Lord, and he's always being picked on for being the bastard. And, and Peter says to him, you have to wear that like your armor, make it your own, and then it'll be your power, you know, and not what belittles you. How do you how do you feel about that? If there's something we get a lot of emails about negative self-talk and people ask us, how do I, how do I fight and stop and delete the inner negative self-talk? Do you think one way to do that is to just own it and accept those negative aspects of yourself and wear it as your armor? Um, so here's what I would say. I think it's all in our relationship with ourselves. Um, I, I would say it this way. I don't think anything needs to be worn as an armor. I think the more we can meet that part of ourself that has that the negative self-talk is deriving from, the more we can meet that part of ourself, which is likely a very young part of ourselves that took on, <clears throat> that took on these stories and these voices from someone else, from our parents, from our grandparents, from our caretakers. And so the more we can meet that part of ourselves, which is hurting with loving, with a bit of compassion, with a bit of kindness, to me, that's where healing can happen. And I would say, someone might say, well, how do I love this part of myself that is being so mean to me? It's like, wow. See, well, when we can start understanding that underlying every behavior is usually a positive intention. And so even underlying that part of ourself, that dimension of ourself, that is being hard on ourselves, that is speaking harshly, negative self-talk, when we really can step back for a second and question, what is the motivation for this negative self-talk? What is, what is, many times I, I found that uh, the part of us that's speaking negatively, trying to push us to do something better to do it differently to be more to be more perfect is really it has a positive intention It's trying to get us to be better It's trying to get us to be to be more so that we can get all A's so that we can do a better job so that we can be loved and underneath it the deepest intention usually is so that we can be loved so we can feel whole so we can feel complete and so the part of us that has the negative self-talk many times has a positive intention it's just the way that it's going about the way that we've learned to go about trying to push ourselves to be more to get that thing is through this negative self-talk which isn't necessarily healthy and so i think when we understand that oh this part of me means well it's just going about it in a very immature way in a very conditioned way 
then I think we can step back and and because when we start fighting with this part of ourselves or we start getting into a wrestling match or we start judging, it just snowballs. So when we can meet ourselves and shift the relationship, we meet ourselves with a moment of tenderness, a moment of compassion, like we would meet a five-year-old, like we would meet a two-year-old. You know, if a two-year-old was screaming and crying in the middle of the night, you know, screaming, 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 we wouldn't take a baseball bat and beat it over the head. We wouldn't throw it out the window. We wouldn't slap this little two-year-old or three-year-old. We would hold it and we would soothe it and we would love it. And so often the parts of us that act out, the parts of us that are hurting, are really the parts of us that need the most compassion and loving because they're trying to get us something in the only way they know how to get it love validation connection and so when we can understand that and bring loving healing is the application of loving to those parts of ourselves that are hurting and when each time we're able to meet that self-talk with with a moment of gentleness a moment of grace a moment of empathy as you talk about just that moment of life, I understand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for wanting me to be better. Thank you for wanting me to, to, to be more. Thank you for, but what we have to realize is we can't beat ourselves up into healing. We can't beat ourselves up or abuse ourselves into being more or living our best lives. It can only be truly sustainable when we meet ourselves with that compassion and empathy. Healing is the application of love to the parts of ourselves that are hurting. And when we can meet ourselves with that grace, that's where healing can happen layer by layer. Okay. I know we're running out of time, but I have one more question for the minister's son. So I remember growing up, my dad said to me, I was asking him, we used to have these deep conversations and I was asking him what he believed and thought about unconditional love. And I think I said something like, you know, like, gosh, dad, if I committed murder, would you still love me? And he said, I don't believe in unconditional love. And I said, but at school, the nuns teach me that God loves us all unconditionally. And he said, no, he doesn't read to read the Bible. He chose, you know, one group Hmm. of people over a whole nother. And he ordered more murders than any dictator in the world. And if you break one of the 10 commandments, you're out. And if you don't follow his son, you're out. And he went on and on. And, And I have to tell you, it has haunted me that conversation we had walking through my neighborhood. What, what do you say to that? source of existence is unconditional. The source of existence is unconditional love. It is the source of life. It's the nature of reality. Every moment of every moment of our lives is living proof of unconditional love. Now, when people talk about, and I don't want to step on anyone's toes, so please forgive me. I respect everyone's religion. But when people talk about you know, some things in the Bible or some things in a certain text and what have you, I may be stepping out of bounds, but you brought it up. So I'll, yes, I'll, I I'll, I'll go there, you know, <laughs> and I'll jump into the fire for a second and, and say, you know, I think many times as human beings in our limited identity awareness, we are the ones that put God, the infinite intelligence of all life in our own image and likeness we have limited god mm. and we so yeah. god god says but if you don't behave a certain way then you're going to burn in eternal damnation forever i don't even know i don't even know if you're there okay as a human being who is not god in god he's not the totality of god your father if you killed someone i don't know if your father would elect to put you in an eternal furnace forever and he's a human being and so i think in so many ways Forgive me if, folks, if, if you're a Bible believer, I love the Bible. I grew up with the Bible. I read the Bible. You know, uh, I, I think we have so misinterpreted so much of the truth, and we have, ha- and, and often the truth has been distorted based on the level of consciousness of the human being. And we have interpreted things that are said in the Bible as as a distortion based on our level of consciousness. And so I will say God, the true innate infinite intelligence of life cannot be limited to the human understanding, cannot be limited to the human identity and the human ego. So if you look at life, for me, I like reality. 
I like, I wasn't there when the Bible was created, the Bible was written. They say that in the Catholic Church right now, there's no conspiracy in reality in the Vatican. There are, I forget exactly how many, but there are tens and tens of actual books. The Book of Eve, the book, I think the Book of Lilith, sorry. There's many books that didn't even make it into the Bible. So I let people run with that wherever they want. But if we look at reality, because I like reality, to me, Unconditional love is all around us. Unconditional acceptance of the divine is all around us because life, God, whatever label you want to put on it, embraces and allows all possibilities. All possibilities. We don't believe it? Look at life. Why doesn't God do this? Why does God allow that? Why doesn't God, why doesn't God eradicate Putin? Why doesn't God eradicate this person? Why doesn't God... Uh, it's like... The, Everything in existence is existing and embraced by life itself. To me, that is the ultimate demonstration of unconditional love. The ultimate demonstration of unconditional love in this human domain, black exists, white exists. George Floyd's killer exists. Mother Teresa exists. Donald Trump exists. Mandela exists, Hitler exists, everything and everyone, all possibilities exists as a complete unconditional embrace for all and the totality of existence. To me, that's unconditional love. It's unconditional, unconditional. And so I think life is proof of the unconditional love of life because it allows all, it allows everything. And for me also, this world is the manifestation of consciousness. Consciousness manifesting itself in the multiplicity of form of all existence. From the level of the ego, it's easy to look at a situation, to look at life. The ego doesn't see when we're stuck in our ego identity, which is for most of us, most of the time, we're not able to see the whole possibility, the whole picture, the infinite tapestry of how everything is so interconnected. Everything is an expression of the one. And so if life is a manifestation of consciousness and consciousness is manifesting at the multiplicity of all form, everything is arising from the oneness. Everything arises from the one source. And if everything arises from the one source, there is only one. There is only one. There is only love. There's just one love is the inherent recognition of the oneness of life. And if that's the case, you know, an analogy would be then all of life is really a one man, one woman, one being, one man show for, for just simplicity's sake. Life is a one man show, one being show, a one person show being lived and played. Which is why it's so important for us to turn our own inner light on. Yes through inner self-love, through unconditional love and acceptance, because the more of us that turn our lights on, the more that collective consciousness is going to shine brighter. For sure. For sure. And I think that's the opportunity of what we are. That's the game of why we incarnate to remember and we awaken to what we are. That's the opportunity for us all. Well, thank you. I know that was a very difficult topic that I just threw at you, but <laughs> I really appreciate you answering it. And I love Love, love, love the way you answered it. Now, your book is coming out in paperback and you have an event coming up to celebrate that. Can you tell our listeners more about this? Yeah, just a quick nutshell. Magic of Surrender paperback book comes out May the 3rd. Uh, in celebration of that and appreciation of that, folks, you can get the book on Amazon, by the way. Uh, but for whoever pre-orders the book, you get some free gifts. You get to attend on May the 7th, I'm doing a very special two-hour deep dive, uh, one-time only live transformational virtual seminar. It's called Reinvent Live. I'm going to be sharing some of the secrets of how to reinvent yourself, um, how to let go of the past. We talked a bit about the past today, how to let go of the past, how to connect with your true authentic power, and how to give your gifts to the world and truly make impact. So during Reinvent Live, two to three hours, we're going to be diving deep virtually. So you can do it from wherever you are. It's going to be an amazing seminar with hundreds of folks tuning in. Um, when you buy the book, pre-order the book before May the 3rd, go to 
kutblackson.com. That's K-U-T-B, Blackson, B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N.com, forward slash reinvent seminar, kutblackson.com, forward slash reinvent seminar. Um, and you can simply go there. There's a link there where you can enter your receipt info from your paperback purchase. And that gets you access to a whole bunch of free gifts, but also uh, access as my guest to the reinvent seminar on May the 7th. That is perfect. Okay. So you just have to go to your website. We'll put all your information in our show notes and I'll post it on Facebook and on my Instagram as well. Kooplaxon.com or kooplaxon.com forward slash slash reinvent reinvent seminar. Seminar. Okay. Perfect. And also, did you know your, your paperback is coming out on May 3rd, which is national paranormal day? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to get interesting. It's going to get interesting. Well, the magic of surrender does have a paranormal thing to it because I think surrender is one thing we resist so much. And when we can get outside of the norm and really embrace the power that comes from surrendering to what is, it does feel kind of paranormal. Well, we go beyond the, the the limits of ordinary manifestation and ordinary existence, for sure. That's what magic is. It's when we go beyond the norm, so to speak, yes. Yes, exactly. And that's the magic of surrender. <clears throat> well, thank you so much for joining us. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for having me. Yes, I, I have as well. And also, I'd like to put in a little plug for your podcast. Soul talk, because the conversations are, I I mean, I love deep, heady, conversational stuff. And it is amazing the guests you have on there. So thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. No, thank you. It's very inspirational. Thanks a lot. Well, in his voice. I mean, it's me for podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) You're both amazing. If I I ever get depressed, I'm going to call you both up. Love it. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.